commence primary ignition. This is Star Wars. Look out! You may fire when ready. Oh, what My friends, I'm sorry. I thought we had a shot. There's just too many of them. Well, there are more of us, Bo. There are more of us. Joining us on another edition of Core World News. Uh, this week, as we bask in the glow of another victory for the Resistance, uh, we will discuss Chapter 10 of The Mandalorian, titled The Passenger. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, today, uh, Grant is on assignment um, in a, the mid-rim, uh, undisclosed at this time. Uh, Grex, also, this is his standard two weeks off that uh, I don't know why this part of the year he always asks for them off, but he does. Um, and we're joined by Jenny and um, our small little monster named Audrey. Um, say hi, Jenny. Okay. There you go. There's, there's Jenny. She's on uh, very rarely, but we're uh, blessed with her appearance today. Um, and the monster, which is yeah. now making his and way. My little monster, Xander the Cat, just again stepped on my keyboard, so I didn't hear the last five seconds. Hopefully it wasn't anything important. Uh, we were talking about you a lot, actually. Oh, good. I assume always that people are talking smack about me when I can't hear them. <laughs> we, we had it timed out whenever Xander's tail mm -hmm. the uh, video. Now's uh, our chance. We can say what we really wanted to say. Yeah, that's it. Uh, so we got the the second episode from uh, The Mandalorian Season 2. Um, what do uh, what do you think? First of all, it's just like there's something about like, the fact that it's going chronological drives me a little crazy, but I'm also, but also makes me kind of happy too that yeah. this is ten instead of two point two. Yeah, um, yeah. it's going to, I think, just be administratively uh, difficult going forward. But um, what, uh, what, what do you think overall? First uh, takeaways from old episode ten. Yeah, it's interesting. I don't, I haven't really, I've been engaging with other things going on in the world currently, so I haven't really, really? been able to see other people's opinions about it. But um, I will admit. Uh, yeah, I will admit I was um, somewhat lukewarm more than most people, I guess, on the season opener of The Mandalorian. I liked it, but I didn't love it. Oh, really? I, I really loved this episode. You're such a weirdo, Adam. I love you. <laughs> I know. I know. And again, I mean, again, we're talking about Star Wars, so it's all just like separate levels of love. Like, I really yeah. enjoyed the first episode. Um, there were things without it that I felt a little too fan y And this episode was just like, I love that it was short. I love that it was just its own standalone story. I thought the pacing was great in it. I yeah. love the humor in it. I thought the humor was a little more subtle than John Favreau's let's cut to the child for reaction scenes every couple of seconds. Yeah. Um, so, and I, I really loved it. I have a feeling I am not alone on this, but I have a feeling the internet would say, you're crazy. The first episode was amazing and this one was fine. <laughs> what are yeah. your thoughts? About that? <laughs> Yeah, I mean that that was that. I mean, I have the exact opposite take on it, which is I mm -hmm. think it's fantastic that that you think differently. Um, Jenny, what you saw, you watched this with me. Any, what did you think when you saw this? Do you have any lasting reverberations of how um, this episode made you feel, or something that you thought was cool? I always love Amy Sedaris in the. Yeah. Uh, but I yeah, I did feel like it didn't. It got them off 
Tatooine was where they were, right? Yes, that's right. But that's sort of all it yeah. did. Very little in plot progression, right? In overall plot progression, didn't move them much at all. That was my mind. that was my one complaint. I wanted to I wanted to see more. I, I was really surprised we didn't see Boba Fett in the the beginning of I this episode. We didn't see Boba Fett in the beginning of this episode, but I agree. I was surprised too. Right. I mean, didn't it feel like they were kind of teasing it a couple times, like with the with the tripwire yes. stunt? It was just like, well, and then so like for that, it felt like maybe, you know, Boba Fett would save him because it was like he's not going to really run into that. That'll kill him yeah. or whatever, you know. Um, and then and then afterwards, when as he's making a march through the desert, it was like, well, maybe that gives enough time for Boba Fett to catch up to him. Yeah. Um, I, I thought that was a really deftly handled scene or sequence. Yeah. Because as far as plot goes, um, because I think it does. It's like now we know that Boba Fett's on his trail and it's like we've uh, now we've always got to sort of keep that in the back of our minds. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm starting to think we're going to get a really slow play on Boba Fett because remember season one, all we saw were his shoes. Presumably that was Boba yeah. Fett. Yeah. And now we've seen him and right? his armor. And his armor. And so I'm kind of happy about that. Like, I I think the thing I wasn't super psyched about with episode one is, is this just going to turn into the Boba Fett show now? Yeah. Right? Where I'm like, no, I really like the Mandalorian. I really like the child. I really like new locations, new people. Like, I'm fine that Boba Fett's in there. I just don't want this to turn into the Boba Fett show. And when this opened on Tatooine, I was a little surprised because very rarely does this show open up immediately after the last shot of the previous episode, right? Usually right. there's some time jump. And I had the same thought as you. We're kind of like, I don't know if you're excited to see Boba Fett, but I'm like, here we go. Like, like here we go. It's going to be Boba Fett, Boba Fett, Boba Fett. Yeah, when you say like too much fan service, I'm like, I don't understand what you mean. <laughs> I know. <laughs> because like yeah. to me, there's never can be too much. I... Well, that's not necessarily true, but I, I really... In this show, I, I do love it always makes me happy when I yeah. see it. there's never, you know, I'm trying to think like too much fan service might have been the prequels when it was like, I, like my initial reaction and it, I adore the prequels. So like yeah. green of salt, but I was like, OK, so like uh, Django Boba Fett is the son of all the thing, all the clones and um, or yeah. is essentially one of the clones. And C-3PO was made by Anakin Skywalker. It was like everything tied back. And it was like, well, it doesn't need to be everything. Yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head. The issue I might have had, the, the, the issue I might have made out of nothing in the first episode of the season is that you're right. I don't mind fan service. Like when they were showing like Pitroids and they showed R5 and yeah. they showed Boba Fett's armor and they showed possibly a piece of Anakin Skywalker. I was on board. Like I was standing up and clapping. Yeah, I think you're right. It's when we see these characters just now, like these legacy characters become more of the story than they need to be is when yeah. I start feeling like, let's start, let's stop making the, the galaxy so tiny. Yeah. I don't mind that Boba Fett's going to be part of the story, but I like it if they're doing it the way I think they're doing, which is doling it out very slowly and piece by piece. And then by the time he comes in, it's just like overwhelming threat that's looming over it, as opposed to like, here he is, and now he's in every episode, and now it's just Boba Fett. And I'd be like, why don't you just make a Boba Fett show then? That's what I was afraid of. Yeah. Apropos of nothing, right? They have done nothing to do that. I thought the first season, the fan service was light. It was perfect. I think they did the same thing in the first episode and this episode. I was just getting nervous, I guess. I'm a nervous person. This, The first episode also <laughs> premiered. Let's be honest. The first episode also premiered 
four days before the election. So my nerves yeah. about other things may have been bleeding over into my enjoyment of episode of the first episode. Yeah, I could, I could <laughs> see you might have been a bit preoccupied. I think I need to go revisit. Yeah, I mean, you just made me sort of terrified that like we're not going to actually have another interaction with Boba Fett until like season three. But um, but it so. is it's sort of going to like keep him as a threat as long as they can so they can yeah keep getting seasons of yeah life. he's like the third threat you know i mean yeah. there's always the whatever immediate threat that's surrounding him you know your life as a bounty hunter and like carrying a valuable bounty then there's all the empire which is definitely going to be an immediate threat and then there's just like yeah. then there's just this he's constantly being stalked he doesn't yeah. know it yet though it, yeah. it would have more gravity if, if he knew he was being hunted um so but he has no yeah. oh, really that, that Boba Fett's there. So here's is a depressing... Boba... Go ahead, Jenny. Oh, sorry. Is Boba Fett a threat to him? We don't or... know. Yeah, we he's don't a threat know. to most things. Yeah. And his whole story, he's... Mandalorian, like... Well, are they trying to we don't him? know that we Boba know. Fett's a Mandalorian. We know he's a very bad guy that's done a lot of very bad things. <laughs> and has Mandalorian And has Mandalorian armor. Aren't these satisfying answers to your questions? So, <laughs> yeah. Basically, when it comes to Boba Fett, there's a lot we're just like, in New Canon, we're like, don't know they haven't really done a lot with them right um, which is the best part of boba fett yes, right he's exactly. a mystery that's part maybe that's why i'm a little nervous too is that like i like my boba fett real light and real dangerous and very little talk like it's yeah. there but here's a depressing fact and i did this with my class as well earlier today we're a quarter of the way through the season already yeah <laughs> yeah so well yeah yeah this this was my <laughs> problem number two with this episode where i'm like come on let's go like, yes, I love actor and adventure with, you know, with I love the monsters in this. I love the creatures. I love yeah. the aliens. There was yeah. so much of that in live action that we we never get it. And there was yeah. so many. I mean, especially like I, I wish I can't wait to hear what Grant has to say about this. But because I yeah. know he's always a, a big alien guy. This was like the most alien talking parts. Yeah. You know, in a. Yeah. Ever That's what I kind of loved series. about it. And this actually reminded me a lot of the same thing they did in episode two of, of the first season. Remember, yeah. like the first episode was like yeah. plot heavy. Here's a child. Episode two, he just fought some Jawas and and yeah. killed a Mudhorn. Right. And so like and and that was amazing. Boba Fett, I love the fact that we're supposed to talk about season episode two, which I loved. And we're still talking about episode one. But yeah. here's my thought is I'm wondering if we don't see Boba Fett again until episode eight of the season. And it's not, and it's, and it's very much like the dark saber yeah. was the, was the pen, was the kind of the cliffhanger. Yeah. I, part of me wonders if Moff Gideon, I just have this vision in my head of Moff Gideon standing in front of the Mandalorian and then just seeing him being cut down and falling and standing behind him as Boba Fett. And it's just like, cut the credits. Wait till 2021. Wait, so Jin Jaren dies and Boba No, no, no. So uh Moth Gideon dies. Like Jin oh, like you okay. just see him standing there and like Moth Gideon just gets cut down, you see him fall to the ground, you just see Boba Fett standing there and then cut the credits. With his gaffy stick and yeah. uh, cycle rifle. Um well yeah, that would be amazing. That would be amazing, man. Um but that that brings me not to I'm gonna I'm gonna steal one more thing and then I'll let you go, I swear. No, please. But uh that this is why it's problematic for only two of us, because I can steal all of the air in the room. So uh sorry, Jenny, I didn't count you. There's three of us here, but when Grant's not I mean, here. Let's be honest. <laughs> <laughs> I just wanna be I just wanna be fair. But um the other thing I loved about this is we have now seen the majority of the footage shown in the preview for the season. Well, the only things we haven't seen yet 
is uh, the return of of uh, Cara Dune oh, okay. and Grief Karga, and then the um, and then him being chased by stormtroopers and being on a star destroyer. But that also that also involves Grief Karga and Cara yeah. Dune, and I'm hoping that's episode three. So there's a good chance we have seen all of the stuff in the previews by episode three, which means we have no nothing to work off of, of where they're going with the season. And that makes me really excited that it's all just speculation. It could be all Boba Fett, just a little bit of Boba Fett. I don't know where we're going. and I'm happy about it. Yeah. Yeah. He's just I like the idea of him just lurking like they just set it up like he's Boba Fett's definitely Chekhov's gun. Right. Like it's we've seen him in the first act. Like that means that yeah. like, that's going to do something in the third act, probably. Yeah. Uh, or it has to, <laughs> according to yeah. the laws of storytelling. Yeah. Exactly. Um, but um, he's there. And I just like to know, like, he, he's a cool thing to just have be there. It's like similarly in, in Empire Strikes Back, you know, when when the Millennium Falcon floats away in the debris field and then you see Slave One on his tail. But it, you sort of forget about him after a while. And yep. then all of a sudden there he is in the dining room yeah. um, with Vader and he's the one that caught you. I could see them using him in that way. It's just like, OK, now he's there. Um, and he's on your trail and sort of you forget about him for a few episodes and then there'll be an interaction. Um, I could use a little exp- exposition. I feel like they're going to use some leeway. It's a lot of Star Wars capital spent to actually explain what happened to him and to find out if he's a Mandalorian, because that'll obviously have to come up, come up. Yeah, I mean, obviously, it doesn't really matter what happens to him. He obviously survived the Sarlacc pit. Um yeah, uh, it'd be nice to hear that story. We'll probably get that, and then um, and then we'll find out if he what his relationship is to the Mandalorians, which will be interesting. Um, oh. But I, I think yeah, we'll get it. That's that's sort of a, a minor thing, but um, yeah, How he got separated from his armor. Well, yeah, I mean that's true too. It's it was just sort of spit out. They found it near a Sarlacc pit. Oh. So um, why did he discard it? I mean, it was still whole enough for you know it was good enough for uh, Cobb Vanth. Um, but I right. think for him, it, it feels to me like a pride thing where it, the, the armor isn't good enough. And I, I talked about this last week. Um, but, um, yeah. Yeah. All right. Should we talk about this episode that we've not talked about really much <laughs> at all yet? <laughs> yeah. 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 You're right. I, it, it's, it was very much a mirror of episode two of season one. Um, yeah, it, it was, I mean, great initial sequence. Um, yeah really funny episode that first sequence you know it looked like impending doom but he survives you know you're there's always this like fear around the, the child where you're just like don't yes. hurt the child yeah yeah they put, a, they put the child in a lot of danger and i and i yeah enjoyed it because it may be very uncomfortable but i think something to mention is that we talked about gr- good action good comedy right this is directed by the jetpack is amazing like that was a really funny scene yeah that was one where like both of us chuckled. I watched it with my wife Carly, and then like we chuckled when it first happened, and then like I was I was very proud of Carly when when you just saw him drop to the ground like just from a great height and die. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Carly guffawed, and I'm like, <laughs> that type of like violent humor does not get her, but it's it was just so it's done so perfectly that it was just yeah. a great moment. Was- and this movie, this episode was directed by Peyton Reed who directed the Ant-Man movies. And so it has a lot of DNA with that. It's a lot of that Marvel action adventure, but with an undertone of comedy throughout, which I really appreciate. Which gets darker as we get on in the episode. Yeah. um, And, and we'll, we'll get there, but uh, Mm -hmm. yeah, no, that, that was really, really funny. There's some weird, there's weird sound design choices there. So the 
the child talks in right? this episode a couple okay. of times. So I'm glad you it like croaks. It does. It's starting to, I think they're going towards something with that. It's starting to be able to make sounds that are starting to become words. And I wonder if we're not going to get a talking child, yeah. maybe season three or maybe by the end of the season that may say it's first words. Like it, it is. I noticed that too. I was just, I watched about half of it again before we recorded. Again, I was watching something else much more exciting right before right. I was able to put this on. Um, but I was able to get about halfway through. And first time we were watching it, this is actually going to come into relevance later. We were watching it somewhat low with subtitles on because we had the kid with us. We had the baby with us and we didn't want him to wake up. And this time I was listening with headphones on. And so I definitely caught that the second time through. There's a couple of moments where the child seems to actually be doing more than just cooing, right? Like actually starting to form sounds. Yeah. When he's trying to point to the fact that um, frog lady left. <laughs> um, and then, but also when, after the, the like cadaver hits the ground, mm -hmm. um, the, the baby, the child looks up at Mandalorian and like croaks. It's just like, yeah. Rrr. Yeah. And he's like, and I don't know. He's shrugs. like, hmm. it's he amazing. Shrugs. Yeah. He's like, it's, you know, he tried to kill you. This is what we, this is the way. <laughs> right. And to bring in, I won't speak for Grant. Who's not here, but I kind of will. There's a lot of learning going on in these scenes, right? The, the yeah. child is absorbing a lot of, a lot of killing. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. So it's going to be real interesting. I think we're going to revisit this possibly using the force to kill someone in this season. Yeah, I mean, he, he's definitely going down a darker path. There's also um, excellent music in this episode. Um, yep. So, we, you know, he, he goes through that first sequence, you know, humps into town um, back to the to his the hangar and Amy Sedaris. Uh, I think her name's Pila is. Yeah. I just thought uh, Pila, Pili, Pili, Motto, Pili. Okay. Yeah. Um, and um, you know, and then they they make their bargain. Oh. Um, we've got to talk about the the cantina scene. Yeah. Okay. Good. I want to make sure everyone's getting past the cantina scene. Yeah. Um, yeah. All right. And then we'll get to the dark humor later. Then let's get right into the cantina scene. All right. Um. Oh, this is another. I wish Grant was here because I know he's. They're they're called Killicks. I think. Yeah, they're killicks. Yeah. Um, so Dr. Mandible uh, was playing cards with uh, Peely and um, and he is a killick, which is like a giant insectoid creature. Yeah. It's made very few appearances, but they're very cool. I know Grant is uh, a yeah. huge fan. I, what's interesting is in new canon, they're just referred to as an insectoid species. So I think the killicks thing is an old EU, but I'm sure they'll bring that in. And in uh, according to Wikipedia, which is the you know the source of record for this, Doctor Manable is the same one from Episode Four. So he's just okay. been there playing Sabak for seven years at this point. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah I mean, that there. seems reasonable. Yes, I, I also was laughing Sabak at that at Chalman's Cantina. Yeah, that absolutely, that sounds like heaven. Uh, especially nowadays where we can't go into cantinas for very long. Yeah, it looks like uh, it's going to place up quite a bit, too. Um, yeah. It's better than it was during the um, uh, the days of the Empire. I was laughing because we had we had closed captioning on, just to be sure, and in closed captioning, it literally identified him as Dr. Mandible. And I was like, the, that's not his name. Like, she just called him that, right? And so they do have it in quotations. And so we're not sure if Dr. Mandible is the actual name, but I'm like... That's amazing. I love that. I, he'll never be known as anything but, or, yeah. or they will never be known as anything but, I should say. Yeah, that's a pretty Star Wars-y name, though. It's yeah. like, 
okay. Uh, it makes sense. And the, the doctor moniker, like, I don't know. It could have been like a pet name or a joke name for mm-hmm. that Peely has, but that seems pretty authentically Star Wars. So, um, yeah, that was uh, that was a great cameo. Adored that. Um, and then, you know, they, they make their bargain and yep. uh, he meets the frog lady and her spawn. <laughs> and then so to back to what I, I was saying earlier, there's this great music cue, like when. <laughs> The child sees yes. the babies in the tube, right? Yeah. The music to me sounded though like it was in like enchanted by them. Yes. Yep. Yeah. And it, it was the music was like like added to the plot in a way that I think hasn't quite landed yet. Yep. Because it's I mean the music sounded like I'm gonna save these these children need me. <laughs> I'm gonna help you. Yep. This is gonna be great. And then he's treats proceeds to treat that vat of children like a bag of smart food yeah <laughs> or i was gonna say i was gonna say eggs at a bar yeah, and, yeah. like salted yeah. eggs at a bar but yeah. Just, yeah it's it's amazing like peyton reed and it's just uh, using comedy using musical cues as comedy is yeah. amazing like because like, i thought the same thing time i listened to it i picked up on that where every time we'd look at it there'd be like this mystical sounding where like there's some kind of deep connection and it's and he even uses the force to pull the eggs towards him i don't know if you that when he's in the oh, yeah. hold. and yeah. so you think there's this deep connection and then they cut to him just going like just slurping the eggs and burping and i'm like that is hilarious it's like that was action. so well done yeah and, um i mean I, I did read something later that i didn't catch on the first thing which is like we've already established that he likes frogs and she's a frog. Oh, she's, eight. Right. Yeah. And so these are yeah, like yeah. baby frogs. So that does make sense. But still, the music cue is like, oh, you're helping these people. Um, I, I was looking on Twitter tonight because um, as a more talented writer than me wrote, it was like the ending scene of Return of the Jedi on Twitter today. Um, <laughs> but um, the uh, there I, I stumbled across a, a post by George Kerstick from probably as he was watching this episode. And it just says, for the love of God, stop eating the eggs. <laughs> <laughs> we had George Kerstick on here. Yeah. Interview. Um, he's an uh, a mm-hmm. writer. For some of the closed morns episodes. Um, but that was pretty funny because it's, it's one amazing. of those things. It's like if you saw it, you know what he's talking about. Yeah. Uh, and that's what I was just like. Just stop it. <laughs> and like you see it's this. like stressing you, me out. Yeah, and like you empathize with the Mandalorian, he's like, "Stop doing that. That's like really <laughs> there's, bad." There's also a moment. I think it's the second time, the second of three or four times the child eats an egg, where like, how many of those have you eaten? Yes, he held, he holds it up, and you can see him looking at it, going, "Is she gonna notice that there are a couple of missing?" Like you almost, and and he's such a great actor, and I'm pretty sure it is actually uh, Pedro Pascal in the suit because they mentioned he's gonna be in a lot more, and there's actually a couple times. I don't know how to say this. I don't want to diss Pedro Pascal, but I noticed some of the um, in armor acting didn't seem as great as last season. Really? And I think, yeah, used to being on set more and being in it, where I think they had people probably trained more in mime work yeah, yeah. than he was. Because actually, I've just been reading the um, the C three PO, um, the well, I am C three PO by Anthony Daniels book, and he talks about how his mime training made him really good at being C three PO. And it's actually a really good read if you haven't. I'm about halfway through it. It's it's really fun okay. to read. But um, my thought is that probably the the, the stand-ins they had had more tra- physical acting training, and he's just an actor, actor, right? So I think he's yeah. still getting used to it. So I think it is him. But that moment where he kind of looks at it, he does a really good job. Whoever's in the armor does a really good job of communicating. 
ooh, is she going to notice that there mi- yeah. is missing eggs? And I was just like, it was great. Yeah. Again, and you read that off of a full face mm-hmm. mask with like no yeah. like discernible yeah. human features. Yeah. Uh, awesome. So, yeah, I mean, it carries on. He decides to, to, to take her on. They um, and then, of course, runs into the New Republic, which was, I mean, pretty major cameo. It's always fun to see X-Wings uh, yep. doing their thing. And I was, of course, couldn't wait to see who the pilots were. Yep. And of course, uh, yeah. we get Trapper Wolf again. Yep, Trapper uh, Dave Filoni himself. He, I can't believe he came back for more because in um, the gallery, he was like, Oh, this is like I don't want to do this. This is gonna yeah. be terrible and all this. And like he had a part in this I, episode. That's why. Because I have a feeling it's a razzing, right? Like I have a feeling they know how uncomfortable he is with it. And probably pro- I'm sure like when you read the script written by John, I think it was written by John Falver, right? I didn't actually double check. I think it was another Fal I think he wrote all of them this season. Yeah. Um I think there's one he didn't. I think the Rick I think Rick Fumioma wrote another one this season. He wrote an episode? He wrote the one last season, which was the sit one's actually kind of a, almost a direct sequel uh, episode six which i'll talk about in a moment yeah. um but anyway i'm pretty i would not doubt that he wrote like x-wing pilots one unidentified and the other one trapper wolf just to make right. dave filoni uncomfortable <laughs> i'm pretty sure he was just messing with them to actually be like no you're you're integral to the you're story in. we need yeah. you the, the rebellion need, or the new republic needs you mm-hmm. um just so we know the uh, other pilot's name uh, is captain carson tiba um, that probably I'm guessing he wears sandals a lot. Just <laughs> yeah, uh, but his, his, yeah. his uh, real world name is Paul Sun Hyung Lee. Yes. Um, and, and he looked yeah. familiar, but I couldn't identify yeah. where I saw him from. And, and, and mostly because I just saw his name in Wikipedia. And for some reason, Wikipedia refuses to acknowledge anything you've done outside of Star Wars, even when you look at the actor. <laughs> so that's I know. And I didn't look as IMDb. I did look at yeah, same thing. Reed's IMDb uh, to see what he did. And I was like, wow. I mean, he's a feature film director. Yeah, he um, yeah, he did uh, the Ant-Man movies. He came in and actually he did the first Ant-Man movie on the fly because originally Edgar Wright was supposed to direct it. And then he dropped out um, and he came on like a couple of months before shooting that film. Oh, and was I, able did, to... I had not heard that. That's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. And he did a really good job. I mean, the first Ant-Man is great. Um, the second one's good, too. But yeah. I yeah, but it's interesting to have the first two episodes of the season directed by Marvel movie people. Yeah. Yeah. It's. I mean, I really feel like the intro, I didn't feel it as much last season, but like the intro is so, so Marvel to this yes. show. It's yeah. very Marvel-esque. Like, it was, yeah. Uh, which is fine. It still feels. Yeah, yeah. sure. still feels very Star Wars. And then um, we had D. Bradley Baker is voicing the frog lady, which is funny because he. I didn't know that. Again, yeah. another gallery tie-in. He uh, demoed the voice for the Ugnaught. That was that is eventually voiced by Nick Nolte. And they were like, we just can't we just can't <laughs> have like a creature in a rubber mask that talks like that. And essentially, that's the voice he used for the uh, for Frog Lady. Yeah. Uh, and uh, so they, I guess apparently they were like, you know what? Yes, we can. That's do yeah, that. perfect. And, um, they they used that voice by T. Bradley Baker, um, which is pretty cool. That's great. I mean, he's Star Wars Legacy. He did like so many voices on the Clone Wars huh. and Rebels. And yeah. Um, I mean, all the, clone, all the clones, all the clones, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, I, let's just, I, again, I don't know if it's because it's practical plus like some digital eye blinking, but I was fully on board for the frog lady. Um, the, whoever they had in the suit was great. The physical acting, the scene 
which right. we haven't quite gotten to, but the scene where the Razor Crest is just dropping from the sky and she's basically just trying to climb up the wall and yeah, hold yeah, on yeah. to stuff is amazing. Like that, that I actor, right, actress, I gotta it's it for that. the physical acting. That's great. And there's a scene later on where she's, I don't know if you caught that where then she drops on all fours and starts hopping like a frog. Yes. Well, is, so I, that yeah. caught my eye immediately. And you're yeah. just like, what? But I mean, that's the kind of stuff that should always be in Star Wars, I think. Yeah. I mean, yeah. They're much, but they can like do more of that. This is a science fiction show. And like, I don't know, there just needs more of that, that stuff. Like these creatures, not everyone should be bipedal, like humanoids. Yeah. Like, let's really explore some of this sci-fi stuff and in, um, in the galaxy. And um, that, that made me really happy that they did that. It was a little jarring because it was pretty CGI, but I mean, it's also, we've never been standing next to a yeah. creature that started hopping yeah. like a frog um, that was previously bipedal. So it's sort of like, I mean, maybe just look weird because of that. No, it definitely looks weird. Like there's a moment where it goes from like fully practical to fully CGI. And it's always a really hard transition. Yeah. But because they made her actually look like a frog, I was kind of on board where I'm like, because they kept again. I, I don't know. They never refer to it as frog lady, right? Like, did you find that out by looking at the credits? Yeah. Yeah. So I knew that from the moment because every time she spoke in closed captioning, it said frog lady. And it was so distracting to see frog lady yeah. on the screen. And I'm like, what's it's happening? Like just, it's like, just give her a name already. I mean, you know? it's fine in the credits in quotation marks. Like, we haven't named this thing yet. So I went through the entire episode going, okay, so she's a frog. Because she doesn't look, to me, she looks more like a salamander. Like, I wasn't, I didn't look at her and be like, that's a frog. Yeah, she looks like um, a banana as far as right? Oh, yeah. Oh, you I guys mean, must have uh, been heartbroken watching this. A little bit, yeah. Um, so, you know, I was I was watching this and when she started hopping like a frog, I was kind of like, finally, <laughs> she's a frog. Um, I also do love, though, that they refer to her as to her language as frog, because I think he, someone says, I don't speak frog. It's <laughs> really yeah. weird, but also I kind of love it. Like yeah, I was on board. It kind of sounded a little pejorative when he said it. And I was like, yeah, bro. Yeah, a little like, yeah. Um, heart- but uh, yeah, it. it, it I mean, uh, that's what she was speaking. So I'm like, okay, here we go. Um, I'm trying to find, I had found it. I'm trying to find the name of the character actor, the person that was in the suit. Oh, I, I just had it. It is a woman. So it is, it is played by a lady. I just had it. Let me get there real quick. Um, Misty Rosas. Rosas. Thank you. That's her name. Yeah. I, I clicked, didn't want to not give her credit, especially since you're, you yeah, <laughs> yeah, thank you. I, I mean, I didn't want to not give her credit after you gave her a glowing, um, yeah. Know review of her performance which she deserves so. and she was in also she was in chapter one and two of the mandalorian playing uh, oh actually she um she did the acting for quill or quill so she was oh, in the no movie kidding movie, um in chapters one and two of the mandalorian so they brought her back which is great that they were able to give her wow that yeah. some more work to do um she yeah she was great well. um cool and then uh the do you remember so we ran into the ice spiders we finally got some ice spiders um here yeah. do, do you have their names i've already forgotten they do not they just in wikipedia they just refer to them as spiders of an unknown species so they don't oh, they particular they look like viruses no they're called it's something with a k it's called like crisks or something like that mm-hmm. they they actually have a name because they showed up in um season two of rebels uh they're oh, all right fought off by um uh sabine wren and um and rex um and again i thought i i had this link here and now i don't and now i want to die um 
It's Man? yeah, you're fired. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Totally. Yeah, because all I have under here under creatures in Wikipedia is spider and then unidentified spiders species first uh, species uh, first appearance. So I wonder if they have now kind of updated that, Maybe but it hasn't have. gone through at Wikipedia yet. Um, so yeah, so we get the. Um, I mean, there's there. I think we've covered most. Oh, um, before we get to the spiders, we do get the return semi-return of zero oh yeah which is interesting and i heard actually he did the um like voiceover for the uh the chapter the recap before the episode which i didn't watch because i'm just like no i know all this i want to get down to the brass tacks oh that's uh, funny the zero was the vo in the the recap before the episode oh that's great i didn't yeah i didn't watch it either neither of us did um so this actually is a good segue into something I want to mention. So when I first watched this episode, I didn't know who directed it. And I thought for sure it was Rick. Uh, ben, help me out here. Thank you. Every time I can't do it. And I know you'll save yeah. me. Um, because this episode leaned on episode six of season one so much. Right. There are yeah. references to the to to saving or, or um, breaking out the, the person. Zero shows up again. Uh, Trapper Wolf shows up again. And yeah. it also has it was also a horror it had horror elements in it towards the second half, which we'll get into. And so I was really surprised at the very end when it wasn't. Him, yeah. Right. And, and I'm glad because I'm looking forward to whatever he's going to direct later in the season. But it's really interesting. I love how much and I, and I mentioned this to Carly is that this show is more and more starting to feel like the show Firefly to me. Where. Yeah. Where there's a lot of elements that that shares, but that. The world is large and yet small at the same time. And so that like you have a run in in season one and then later on you're going to run into those same uh, same new Republic people, right, who are chasing you down because of X, Y and Z. And I love that. Like, I love that the politics of the galaxy is starting to bring in. And we'll get to that a little later when we get to uh, the interaction with Trapper uh, and Carson a little later. But I just I really appreciated that, that this felt like a sequel to episode six, but not necessarily having to be directed and written by the same you know, the same person. Yeah. Um, yeah, absolutely. And there's going to be a lot of that cross pollination that happens um, between the, and like a lot of, you know, baton passing between these yeah. uh, fantastic directors. And I'm just so like happy to get fresh blood in there. I'm glad yeah. he was able to do this thing. And obviously, I mean, we all think that Fami Yu is like, cannot be involved enough in star Wars. Like, yeah, give him whatever he wants. He's going to get his own show or movie at some point. Yeah. I'm sure if he wants it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Awesome. So ice spiders back to ice spiders. I know I'm, you know, I was just searching and I, I hit a dead end. It's funny. You're right. Like, so I found like one of those, like five Easter eggs. You didn't know, like, that's where I found the names. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then, but now I'm looking and like, no one knows the names other than that one article I read two days ago. Yeah. Sources are dubious, but probably don't matter i mean there is retcons and stuff like that um, I, they'll, yeah they'll it they'll update it if they decide that's what it is later on right like they always yeah. do this stuff but yeah. ben three days ago was like said there's no way i'll forget that name <laughs> um anywho uh yeah so uh the spider thing was wacky and crazy i like the like the hot spring that, that she yeah found, like frog yeah. found like that was a great little like twist and She's like, oh no! Well, she's like, I'm just gonna survive. Everything's fine, and yeah. I'll put the my babies like, in here. Ooh, frog soup! Yeah, yes, yeah, it's so great. And totally, stop eating the eggs. <laughs> um, one thing that's sort of a go back to what you guys were talking about ten minutes ago, but I loved how Frog Lady seems like 
like an animal or something like they can't communicate and then she's like she gets so frustrated that she hacks that droid zero and she's yeah. Like, yeah listen you're gonna listen to what i have to say yeah yeah, yeah. and and uses the mandalorian code against him which mm-hmm. i appreciated because i was getting really annoyed with him before that i'm like you're a mandalorian dude like suck it up and help this woman like yeah yeah and it's just like, you know, yes, he's very orthodox and he's the thing. But with as with anything, if you want to do something well, you need constant reminders yeah. to uh, lead yeah. on, the, on the right path. This is the way. Yeah. And, well, I think uh, this. So maybe that's what this episode served. Right. Because episode one, we see him an episode actually or, or chapter seven, eight and nine. Yeah. We see him so laser focused on the child. Right. It's the child, this, the child that even when he's defeating the crate dragon, it's like, take care of the child. Right. Yeah. To, to, uh, to come my primary mission. Yeah. Yeah. Which is true. You have a primary mission, but you're still a Mandalorian. You have a code. If you, if you make a promise, you live by it. And so maybe that's what the purpose of this episode was, is that reminding him, yeah. yes, the child is important, but you're also still a Mandalorian. You have this code you have to live by. And I have to say, man, like, I actually had a conversation with some random friends about this uh, today, and they were just like, so, like, why does Sabine come it off? And I'm like, well, because, like, there's been this, like, de-evolution of the Mandalorians, right? Like, they they sort of had evolved until this, like, just normal, peace-loving people under um, Duchess Satine, and, like, no one wore helmets, and there was no war, and it was, like, fine. Um, and then it's sort of like there was the Splinter Group and Death Watch and it just like, you know, then Darth Maul's rule. And it's now, you know, and then Civil War. And then like then we don't know what happened. There was a purge. Right. right? And yeah. so they've just devolved into their like feudal warrior clan state where they're like primal like directives of yeah. Yeah. Mandalorians um, from presumably the ancient times. If we're going to, you know, believe the 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 uh, armor who's mm-hmm. really our only font of knowledge for this new world and i adore it this is my favorite flavor of mandalorian yeah by yeah. far I, I i agree i love that it, it just makes sense right it makes sense that as a culture becomes more and more minimized and wiped out it becomes more and more orthodox and and yeah. i i like that storytelling it's it's relevant to a lot of cultures and i think it makes a lot of sense as well um yeah i i agree i i think this makes a lot of sense it also on a kind of selfish side note it i love karen travis's writings on republic commandos and a lot of that has to deal with mandalorians and the mandalorian in the old eu um and then sh- her last book in the series got canceled because of what they were planning on doing with the Mandalorians and the clone wars cartoon. Oh, okay. And I've always had a bit of a sore spot about that, that I've let go because it's star right. Wars. Does it, does it really matter? It's storytelling. Right. Because um, a lot of people, cause she, so she wrote the Republic commandos and she wrote uh, several Mandalorian books, right? Karen yes. Travis. Yeah. 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 And I mean, so she's an expanded universe author for people that yeah. don't, no old you old you cult favorite yeah uh, everyone adored no. both the republic commando i mean there was essentially ea got brigaded um to include republic commandos into battlefront 2 the video game and they did yeah which is very cool yeah um i mean because of karen travis yeah but a lot of those characters in those books started looking into their mandalorian past 
right? And became that. And so, so I appreciate this idea of like looking back at that. And I think they've done such a good job. And maybe it's confusing to your friends, right? Which, understandably, who aren't deep Star Wars nerds. Well, I mean, but like, I'm not this deep, man. Like, it, I have a say about this. So they were just looking into their past. Is that that's what? Yeah, and and Grant again, who is not on the call, would be better at this because really most of the Mandalorian stuff was explored in the old comics, in the old Dark Horse comics, where they talked about the Mandalorian and Jedi Wars and things like that. And so, and I don't think they ever and and Grant. Um, I'm sure you're going to listen to this and you'll be on the next episode. So you can start with a, with a fact checked of what Adam said, or maybe, Grex, <laughs> yeah. maybe Grex can fact check me. Like they fact checked some orange guy talking yesterday. Mm. Um, and, and, but I'm pretty sure they didn't really talk about not pulling off your helmet. I think that's a new yeah. thing, but they did talk about the fact that there is, it was a very like more based on clans and like a warrior clan. Yeah. So then, so what, what I think what, what Lucasfilm, the issue they had is their plans and Filoni and Lucas's plan, who, by the way, that is their say. They are the way. But their plan was to make them this peace loving. So it really went really far against what Karen yeah. was writing. And so they basically said, like, we can't have this book and then start exploring this. This It's confusing. So let's yeah. just not write the books. I get it. It happens. I'm fine yeah. with it now. Yeah, it's yeah, I I prefer order over chaos um yeah, not agreed. to a harsh degree but um i'm very happy the fact that it, it has been that the you know canon has been reorganized a lot of people yeah, don't too. i totally understand that you're that's a absolutely valid argument um but uh i personally i i much more enjoyed the very regulated canon um yep. where we know what we're getting and we have yeah. an idea of what we're doing in the future and like some random offshoot thing is not gonna like step on some feature film plot line that would hit a lot watching the old eu trying to retcon things from five years ago ten years ago right it was an imperfect system yeah and so i agree it you know at times it tell it gives us very good character studies with not a lot of depth in storytelling meaning that we didn't get that i think that's going to change when we get to the high republic which we'll talk about in a couple of months now which is exciting um but i agree like i in my response as someone who was really devastated to a ridiculous degree that i am now ashamed to admit of the old eu being purged um Because you've been like now you've been steadily finishing up your reading. Yeah. And so it's been wonderful because as people told me and now I'll pass the message along, it's still there. It still matters. People wrote it. It's just a different timeline. And so having that now being able to accept that and slowly reading through the and finishing up my read of it. Now I'm kind of loving it because it's actually a finite amount of the old EU. You can actually just read all of it and they're not making any new ones. So right. you can't read it all. And right. to me, it's the, the completest nerd that I am. I've You're gotten like, joy by that. Like I'm, my I'm beer. I have <laughs> 94 more things to read and then I'm done. Is that it? Just 94? <laughs> well, a lot of them are comic issues, so they'll go by fast. Yeah. <laughs> that's man. That's fun. And that is sort of great. And it is legends and it yeah. all matters. I mean, I've been going back and reading like legends material and really enjoying it. And I see a lot of flex of truth. Yeah. It's a very clever way to sort of couch um, those texts and yes. be like, well, I don't know. Some people thought this was the story. Exactly. Yeah. I and love that they, like, they said legends because that's the way I read it is like yeah. someone around a campfire in some system somewhere is telling the story. 
Right. And it's a very flattering term. Like, would you wouldn't would you hate to be called a legend? Like, yeah. probably not. Probably not. You're, yeah. you're a legend. Love it. Um, Thank you. Yeah. You know what, Adam, you're a legend. I'll take it. Ben, you're a legend. Jenny, Thanks. you're also a legend, though you may have disappeared. I don't know. There's the background. Yeah. She's legendarily going to get another beverage. Oh, smart. Yes, indeed. Um, so Sander, yeah. fetch beverage. <laughs> Go. Not Good cat. All right. Right. Okay. Um, well, yeah. So, you know, fights of the ice spiders ultimately saved by the new Republic there, you know, I, well, hold on. I, sorry. <laughs> I love that. You would think there's only two of us and the episode's only 30, like two minutes long. So we should get through this pretty fast, but I don't want to skip past the ice spiders because first of all, the, 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 uh, aliens vibe. The movie mm. Aliens vibe yeah. and Alien I got from this I love like the like the second he looked over and there were pods I was just like no oh boy no 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 and yeah. then he pulled it out and there was like a dead baby spider I'm like this is bad and then Carly too who a does not like anything horror or scary in television we had a long conversation off air about this at the end of last season of last episode yeah. I saw her visibly shrink into the couch <laughs> knowing what was coming. And she was just like, I, oh. that was, a, that was a good episode. I did not like the last 10 minutes. <laughs> Yo, Carly, I'm there with you. Same energy. Yeah. I mean, when I saw that, I was like, Oh boy. I'm like, no, no, no and more. I don't need to see spiders. Yeah, we do. And then it was we like do. avalanche of spiders and it was done so well. And it was yeah. like so real. Because you're just like, oh, of course, you like shot a couple of spiders and they went away and then you like escaped like they didn't do that. It was like, oh, they were like down to their last border. It looked like they were still yeah. in. It was like, you yeah. can't get the spiders out. The spiders are everywhere. There's spiders. I everywhere. know it. He <laughs> Peyton Reed did such a good job of that where you're just like, oh, well, they'll get back to the ship and they'll be fine. Oh, no, their ship. They're not fine. They'll get to the cockpit. and They'll be fine. Oh, they're not fine. Like it was just it was, a, it was a horror movie. It was amazing right. the way it was shot. Oh, they it, sealed the cockpit. They'll be fine. fine. Oh, they're yeah. not. No, no. And then there were so many, like, I love the different sizes of spiders. Like, there were, like, four or five different sizes. And I love that each one felt menacing in its own way. And it was great. Oh, I was so, I was so into that. And so, you know, again, maybe that's why I love this episode, right? As we've talked about in previous uh, shows, I love horror movies. And this reminded me of so many horror tropes in the end that I really, really dug this. Like... The second he threw thermal detonators to kill the giant spider and they kept running, I was just like, no, that ain't dead. And and of course it comes back. And I love that trope in a horror movie that the, the monster always comes back at the end. Yeah. Um, yeah. And uh, yeah, there was a couple of spiders there. Yeah, indeed. It, it was great. It was like and then ultimately saved by uh, Trapper Wolf and Captain um, Tiva. Yeah. Uh, Pretty. Yeah. Um, and then, the, you know, but like we're not they've, they've kept the um, New Republic very ambiguous as far as yeah. reality. And it's like you want to like these people. And yes, they have a good heart. They're definitely like the Empire's not letting them get away with anything. And they're certainly not saving them either. Right. Um, but they're, uh, if, you know, we catch you with your single signal beacon off, we're going to arrest you next time. Yeah. Which I would that was also a little ambiguous as well. Yeah. Uh, I, I had trouble following and, and granted, I did not get to this part the second view through, but like the exchange after they destroy the ice spiders was kind of like it was like, wait, so there's a you 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 were involved. 
but you yeah. dropped off three bounties, but you killed these other people. And I'm like, I don't get the math, but clearly he helped the New Republic. <laughs> well, they, they he tried to save, like, they're like, I mean, they looked at his full body of work that they had yeah. in the film. They yeah. saw him try to save um, Matt Canner. Um, and, uh, and he and, did call the New Republic in in episode six, right? Yeah. On that, on that. So that makes sense. Right. And it was like, and you did capture three people that we knew that we right. wanted that were on our watch list and, you know, sent them out. And, and they were like, yeah, you're good, but like, you're not that good, you know? Yeah. Which leads me to the question of why, and I'll do this not so, I swear a lot in real life, but I don't want to get an explicit rating. Why are the New Republic such D words? <laughs> <laughs> because like because they were like oh because he was just like oh well maybe can you stick around and help me seal up the thing and they're like no we'll just not arrest you basically yeah. and i'm like really you couldn't have stuck around for five minutes to help him like seal up his ship yeah. it was a great moment like i thought I, I enjoyed it but i'm like wow they're really painting the new republic out to be like authoritarian yeah, d-bags well, I think, you know, they're they're trying to fill that void that's a, the largest and most difficult void to fill in Star Wars storytelling, yeah. which is like, what do we how do we create antagonists? And now we we have uh, his general like bounty hunters, right? His day to day creatures. Um, we have Boba Fett's on his tail. We have the Empire is yep. now out for him because they have a stake. And then it's also the New Republic is like. Neutral? it's kind of like the police yeah it's yes. just like they're yeah. you know he's not really on the right side of new republic law either so um they're a threat as well and it's just yeah. it's, you know that's his constant I mean, that's his life it, it it's good in terms of storytelling because this episode explains why if something goes wrong later down the season why he wouldn't necessarily call the new republic right he's right. no friend of the new republic he's neutral with them and he knows how to deal with them also that reminds me of when they first encountered him and i love the scene where the, they're kind of chit-chatting back and forth very briefly of just like oh well i love the back and forth of you turn your beacon um i can't find it oh well you can follow us to this planet well oh i just found oh, here it. it is yeah like just back and forth and the guy's like uh i don't remember who said it, it was like uh wolf, do, you mind, wolf. do you mind changing over to, to channel nine channel two yeah, channel, yeah. Channel two, and i was like uh-oh and then you see the x you see the yeah. asteroids go into attack position, attack position. Yeah. and even carla and i are like uh-oh, like it was just <laughs> an moment of just like such great storytelling through just tone and visualization. It was yeah. really great. Yeah. Yeah. It was really fun. They, yeah. And you know, like we talked last week about like thinking the budget was gonna fall off after like all of that CGI. Right? And no, like this oh. was there was so much CGI. There yeah. was so yeah. much like this was felt like a really high production value. I feel like they doubled their budget this season or something like they. Yeah, yeah, it's impressive. It's most impressive. And who knows what we might get like in the next episode might be like a a one room like, you know, um, play or something. But, um, you know, for now, it's been really great. Um, Yeah. Also, just interesting, like with the uh, storytelling and I'm forgetting the uh, thing that I was just about to say. Okay. (laughs) Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. Well, I can, I can, I can get us out of this. I think so. Can jump you? in. I did. So speaking <laughs> of, like, speaking of next episode, right? We're talking about kind of like what we're gonna do. Well, we would assume he's going to yes, end up on. Oh, you. you're welcome. It's like I'm a psychic. We're going to Col Coleben. Coleben is the planet that the frog lady wanted to go to, where there's Trash. a 
It's Trask. Well, Trask, I think, is a town in Cole Eben. Oh, okay, okay. I didn't catch that. Or I thought the planet was Trask because Star Wars. But oh, yes. Yeah. Oh no, you're right. It's uh. So we're both right. So I, I'm checking on Wikipedia. Sorry, Trask is a moon of Cole Eben. So she's okay. he's told to go system to the Cole Eben system, but he's going to Trask again. Endor is it a moon? Is it a system? We don't know. It's unclear. Yeah. So, um, actually, it's no longer unclear after episode nine. But yeah, uh, so moon, it is a moon. Endor is a system. Yeah. Kefbeer is also a moon. Right. So exactly. So Trask is the moon in the Coleuban system. So anyway, so that's where he's going to be next episode, right? Because he's going to drop off Frog Lady because he's specifically going there because we were told that there was an enclave, right, of Mandalorians there. Yeah, which is going to be interesting. Um, so it's definitely the, not going to be, right? <laughs> I, yeah, I don't know. I think we're going to get one. Didn't uh, he say they were going just as far as they could get with where the ship was? Oh. Uh, with how much the ship? Oh, that's really. No, interesting. He, he said he they he's like she was mad still that they couldn't go where they needed to go, and he's like, we can't go there because the ship has a giant hole in it, I, and they I, all had to stay in the cockpit in case like the back fell off. I think he said we're going to limp into Trask. Okay, uh, okay. which is the, this is the thing, and he's like, you know, we're just gonna we're gonna get there. But it's like on a prayer and like, let's hope yeah, just use use the lab if you have to. That's the that's the line I remember because that caused me stress. Privy, that's right. He called which it. is I an remember. old Western term, which yes. is sort of funny that that's what because like they don't talk about bathrooms. The, the refresher is what they call it in um, yeah. uh, resistance, resistance show. What right. I was going to say is that like, you know, you had mentioned a half an hour ago that we um that we've seen most of the stuff from the trailers mm -hmm. and you know i assumed that the ice planet that they were on was the same ice planet where the, we see all those action scenes with like the the you know scouts on speeder bikes jumping right. off the cliff right 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 and all that and but it's not so it's like we're either going to see a new ice planet or we're going to see the old ice planet for reasons. I doubt we're going to see the old ice planet, right? Because that was just a random planet that they crash land on. Why would you go back there? So was it? I don't know. So what do you say? So I, I that's I'm glad you brought that up because I want to say, remember, we spent a lot of time debating or not debating, but like hypothesizing what this planet might be. And we talked about I think the leading theory online, too, was that it was Ilum, right? Yeah. Um, which it's not, but that doesn't mean the next planet is it not. Is it, is this planet named? Oh, that's actually a really good point, Ben. You're right. It's not named and we don't know where Ilum is again, which we had grant. It could be would, the forest that dragged them there, you know, it right? could be. Yeah. So maybe they do go back. You're right. Maybe they do go back because it is Ilum, which would be really, really interesting. Right. I mean, the first thing I thought when he, they crashed through the like permafrost or whatever is that they would find like a, a first yeah. or like building site for a Starkiller base or something. I also feel like whoever is, well, not whoever, John Favreau, who's writing these episodes, is fully aware of all this stuff and is now just simply messing with Star Wars nerds. Because I had the same thought. Like, I thought when they crashed and, and Yoda, or not Baby Yoda, but okay, it's the Baby child. Yoda. They're going to reveal it's a clone of Yoda in season five, but whatever, we'll get there. So the child is drawn away and i thought he was gonna find a kyber crystal or something yeah right like like i really thought there and i feel like john Favre knows that 
I feel like he's messing with us at this point. Right, in a very deft way. And I think yeah, did that I love episode it. really well. It was sort of like they were teasing Boba Fett in the beginning. It didn't happen. They were like teasing Ilum and, and like other Kyber Crystal stuff in the cave. You're just like, oh, what are they going to find? This other stuff. But it was like it ended up being a fairly simple action adventure episode, um, you know, connecting one episode to another. Um, yeah, I mean, it's still I, I, w- I was very sad when they didn't get to Trask because like, yeah. I wanted at least to see a, a thing, you know, see that woman in the hood that we saw in the um uh, oh right, we haven't seen. You're right. That's the other stuff we haven't seen. It's I the water feeling, world stuff. Yeah, the water world. I have a feeling Trask is a water is the water world oh, trailer. Yeah, that's a good call. Based on the fact lady? that all frog. I know is that there's a water world, and we're going to another another world. So yeah, yeah. taking a frog. Yeah, right. it makes sense. In yeah, totally. Good there. call. But I don't know. So I'm on. I'm on the Wikipedia page for episode or sorry, chapter ten. Oh, right. And. Oh, Come on. What are you seeing there, Adam? Is it uh, something interesting? Does it involve frog people? No, it's not involving frog people. And then I just accidentally closed the page. So keep talking about something else. Right. Awesome. Well, you know what? Well, I noticed that in every Star Wars iteration that we see, there's like a ship battle that happens in some kind of cavern. Yes. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Good call. That... I felt like I've seen before. When they yeah, that is a very cavern. Star Wars thing. Was it? Did they go through a cavern? In yeah. Cavern? I mean, it was kind That's of a, I mean, was, they went through a trench, right? Yeah. But, but I mean, then he went through a cavern to avoid or, them. The right. trench is always like it's either part of a Death Star or. Yeah. Or the space slug or like or yeah. on the on the stuff or or the pod racers in episode one. Yeah. Totally. OK, so I'm back on here. Good, good Perfect. filler, guys. Uh, so <laughs> I'm on episode two. And when it talks about I'm going to kill this thing location. So all that's mentioned is uh, Adelphi, which is the New Republic outpost where they tell him he's going to take them. Oh, take OK. Them. They we mentioned heard the, that name before. Yep. They mentioned Cole Eben or Cole Eben and Trask. Um, they mention the Outer Rim territories. And in there, they mentioned the. Uh, Arcadis system, which is where Tatooine is at. So they mentioned Tatooine. Okay. So they mentioned Navarro, which is mentioned only. The okay. only other thing here is Maldo Crease, which is the first planet they're on in episode one. Of that's season. that ice planet. So I think what they're saying is that that's, that planet that we see him crash land on is Maldo Crease. No kidding. And that's what it says on Wikipedia. So I think we mentioned the possibility one of us, I won't say who because it would sound self-aggrandizing, mentioned that <laughs> the, the, the the ice planet we saw in the previous Could've might been. be Maldo-Crease. Now, granted, I, I did not think when I was that watching. That is absolutely confirmed. You did mention that. And I was like, that's a <laughs> stupid idea. That's I, the dumbest idea I've ever heard. No one could possibly think that's a good idea, and then you were right. Okay, that's but how I remember the, the conversation going. Fair, fair point. I will. The one thing I'll say is that when I mentioned it, all I was doing is trying to name all the different ice planets I could think that we saw. I didn't actually think they would go back there for whatever reason, because it's weird that like I don't know that I like that. Why? 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 
Well, I mean, he's created his own planet. He better use it. I mean, I still feel like there's plenty of room to make another ice planet. Like there's yeah, there's tons. Like, why do you need to go back there? And he's just randomly awoken. I mean, right. was he maybe like maybe there was a missing line? Like, I wonder if an edit, if they edited out stuff, if he was like refueling there, like if the plan was to come out and refuel there and then continue on. And it would explain why he was going back there because he's familiar with the planet. Because it is weird that he he's asleep. He wakes up to an alarm with X-Wings. Yeah. And they, he just happens to be next to a planet when that happened. No, that was one thing. He was just like, I'm like, where are you going? Oh, there's a planet right there. So my I thought you were in deep space, but uh, I guess there was a planet there. So great. So my reckoning is that he programmed in a in a path to get to Trask that involved having fuel stops and that. That this was one of the fuel stops and they just cut it out as too much exposition in it or something, because I would buy that he would go back there for that reason. But just to randomly get blown out of the sky right next to a planet that you were at nine episodes before it's right. weird well you know what this so this is like 10 oh, guys. more inside baseball than like i thought we'd ever get on this episode do you yeah. want a little more inside baseball this is how we get horatio sands back <laughs> because the last time we saw it was there. in this in this episode in this planet so he's a he's a, talked his way out of being sold into whatever being sold. He he paid his debts, and he's and gone then back to he the runs scene. he runs into him at it's literally gonna. Part of me wonders if this season's gonna be like every episode starts at the very end of the last episode, so it's just one long story. So he's just out right 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 out of Atmo and runs into Horatio Sands' character at out of Atmo. Oh, so like they don't get anywhere. Yeah, yeah, that place. Yeah, I mean that's a way to get Horatio Sands back in there. Yeah. Um, and now I forgot again my thing. <laughs> it was quite the journey we took, so I don't blame you for forgetting because I don't even know what day it is anymore. <laughs> what they kept talking about how they're there's so much emphasis on they can't use light speed because of her eggs. Yeah. So it, he could have. I mean, it's clear he's not going to get very far. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so all right. So uh, now I remembered it. Thank you, Jenny. They so there is the inside baseball part was like. We see him drawing the navigational line on his like uh, computer. Yeah. And it's like a kind of a circuitous route, but it goes through certain systems. It makes sense he would draw it past systems that he's familiar he knew with. To refuel or whatever. And I bet you in Arabash it said that planet's name because i didn't freeze frame uh, freeze frame yeah. it, but i bet you that's how they identified it because yeah i would i mean I, as a person that adores space and loves the the infinity of space is actually comforting to me which is sort of a, a i imagine if you're out in it it would be the opposite you're weird yeah yeah but um terrifying but, but i would as a spacefarer i imagine it's like you never want to be too far from a planet that you could land on that has yeah. a sphere yeah, and and it, and it felt like I was like, all right, well, if we're gonna go real time travel, I'm gonna we're gonna pass by as many like planets that we can go through, and I, I think yeah, and he also worked that planet as as working for the bounty the bounties guild, right? So I wonder if yeah. he was also doing the securest route to avoid the New Republic, right? Because he right. says because when they stop him for the for the beacon, he basically implies through dialogue that this is not new Republic space. This is why, you know, yeah. so I wonder if he did that securitist route and went past that planet. Cause he, he knows that the bounties guild still works there. Yeah. And I'm guessing the bounties guild does not work in the new Republic space. Yeah. You would think, I mean, the outer rim is still sort of the wild west. And a lot. Yeah. That was a, 
Wow. wow. I'm, I'm kind of proud of us. That was a. We was went way the... deeper into this episode than I thought we would. And yeah. we didn't even have Grant here. But we're going Grant. So, okay. Yeah. Remember yeah. Grant texted us to be like, we should also talk about this and that and that because I don't have a lot to say about this episode. And here we are an hour I... and it's into our episode. Should remind him of core world news. We have we find ways. Yeah, we could really talk about anything forever, and we'll talk about uh, Star Wars longer after we stop recording. Well, talking about the end, the you're talking about how they knew his whole like his whole history. Yeah, I think we take for granted the internet, but this is like all of Star Wars takes place in like '70s technology. Like, how are they? They pull up a book. Who gave like, them the data tapes to look at it? Right. Yeah. Like, do they have yeah. a microfiche in their... <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's Star Wars microfiche, so it's cooler, <laughs> but... I mean, make... basically, Rogue Rogue One relies simply on the fact that of about slow upload speeds. So, like... <laughs> right, right. And, like, yeah, I mean, like, eight-track tapes. Yeah. That they keep, they're like, this has a megabit of information on it. <laughs> um, yeah. They're like, yeah, no, this is a highly detailed uh, programmatic analysis, CAD analysis of this Death Star. And it's like, burp, burp, burp. it looks like, you know, Pong. Yeah. Um, awesome. All hand drawn, by the way, in the original one, which is amazing to me. Really? Yeah. Uh, it's episode four. All that. Well, not in the new version, but all the old Death Star plans and the trench run was all hand drawn. They didn't have computer graphics back then. Wow. You know what yeah. say? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, Just a lot of guys with rulers and a lot of people with rulers and compasses and triangles. God bless nerds. <laughs> it's true. The maker bless nerds. Hey, so I think, you know, kind of going back to the beginning at the end is I think why I really like this episode is that it confirmed to me in a way that we're still going to have just fun episodes yeah that not every single episode is going to be really focused and i love the episodes that are focused in on for arching plot but i like the standalone yeah. ones that are just a good story and it does move us a little bit we know where the next destination is right so we know we are moving towards that i i'm with you ben i don't want too many of these maybe one more maybe two more at the most of these standalone fun episodes yeah. but i like them they're nice little palate cleansers I think you just nailed it, dude, because like th that's what this this series is going to be. It's like an adventure series and yeah. you just can't have these like expository beats every episode. It yeah. just it, it takes away from the storytelling and it also shortens the length of the series. And yeah. I mean, we pretty much ended last um, episode on confirming the fact that this could go infinitely like they, yeah. they could make the mandalorian forever like this isn't like oh maybe we'll go three seasons maybe we'll go five seasons like that i feel like they they're like we can make this go for a long long time and i hope they do yeah um because it's just going to show more things and and one way to do it is just like let's not cheat ourselves out of all the fun you know action and adventure and monsters and, and yeah things that we can do in star wars galaxy to make the galaxy feel large if you're um, yeah if you're playing uh, Core World News Bingo, <laughs> Adam's about to reference the show Supernatural, and I'm so mad that Grant's not here. <laughs> I am so happy. I've got three more episodes after 15 seasons, and it's almost done, and I'll have a giant weight off my shoulders, and it's amazing. But what I will say about that show is why I fell in love with that show is similar to why I fell in love with The X-Files, is that there are a few, there were a few episodes every season that moved along the overarching plot, 
But yeah. then most episodes are standalone stories. Yeah. And I missed that in television. And then the thing with the supernatural is now it's gotten to the point because all television moves away is like every single episode has to try to move the plot forward. And I'm like, guys, come on. Can we just fight a ghost right. this episode? Can we just fight a chupacabra? Like, I don't need this. So yeah. anyway, it's fine. It's three episodes. I can stop complaining. But and this is what I like about the Mandalorian is that it's kind of that old school storytelling. Right. Um, and it's important because we do we do only get this week to week. This is not what we're used to now where we get an entire um all the seasons are are all the episodes of the season are put up in one day you cannot binge this show and so they know that they know that you need to tell standalone entertaining stories because like binging has changed the way we watch television in some ways in a good way in some ways in a bad way but it's told as if when you shoot a tv series now that you know all eight episodes are going to drop on the same day you write and direct it as if it's an eight hour movie where right. you could have an hour where nearly nothing happens, where it's just character development, but not plot development, right? Where, but but you can do that, and it'd be really, in all honesty, a very boring episode of television. But knowing that the person's going to continue watching it five minutes later, you can get away with that. When you're dropping shows week to week, you need to make sure that every episode in and of itself is entertaining and draws you in. And I think The Mandalorian's done such a good job of that. And I think that's why it's such a huge hit, is that it's kind of old school television in some well, ways. Yeah, this is what I was going to say was that, like, I mean, in so many art forms, especially in like popular media, People that did it first did it best. Yeah. It's sort of a wild thing. Like rock and roll. I mean, like the Beatles and the Stones and like Jimi Hendrix. And like yeah. there's just for some variations like, of that. At the moment of creation, there's this sort of like large comprehension of the medium. And you're like, no, this is the way it should go. And then over time, they're like, all right, we need to play off this and change conventions and change tropes and do different things. But it's like this is a, a perfect time for and and Star Wars is the perfect like, yeah, uh, you know, intellectual property to go really back to classic filmmaking, classic storytelling and and utilize this and be like, no, this worked for a reason in a really great way. And we're going to we're going to use that now and and, and yeah. uh, temporize it and, and make it great. And um, yeah, it. um yeah. And I feel like they're doing that here. Like they're they're that that's part of George Lucas's storytelling was always like, let's use let's tap into the originators. Let's let's talk into the creators of this medium, and and see what they did. Yeah, I I hundred percent agree with that. And and I think I said this. I think we might have said this when we were going over the last trailer. I can't remember, but I really feel like the Mandalorian is the closest thing to Star Wars since Star Wars. And and that may be overstating because no, I feel but, like a lot of people have said that online. Like like a lot of people feel that way because it does the same thing. It's technological innovation, it's musical innovation, and it's using the hero's journey to tell a story. Yeah, and that's really it. Like that's that's what the combination when you break down Star Wars to its roots, it's the hero's journey plus new film type of filmmaking plus amazing music. And yes, there's more elements. I'm oversimplifying it, but those three elements live and breathe in a way in the Mandalorian that we haven't seen since the original trilogy. Man, you just brought up the hero's journey, and now I'm like, <laughs> okay, which one is this? Right? Like this is a trial. This is like one of his yeah. trials. And I mean, he answers the call. He just answers the call. For this one person and. Yeah. 
And is in, each season a different step in the hero's journey? This is what we're gonna have to question, because I feel like the first season is all about the call, call, and 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 it's uh, refusing the call. Yeah, refusing the call. Yep. But he does. He finally answers the call, and then there's like, is there? Oh, and the wise one is the armor, right? And um, and she's the one that's like, no, you have to answer the call, right? Yeah. So, uh, do you have the the wheel there? I'm trying to find it in the book. <laughs> I'm seeing. I'm I'm looking at Adam, flipping through uh, uh, the hero's journey by um, not Joseph Campbell. Joseph Campbell. I'm like James Clavel. I'm thinking I, Shogun right now. I kept uh, this book in my office at school. And when I knew that I probably would not back, be back to my office for another year, I chose three books. And this is one of the three books. Of ones. Kept. Yeah, you're like, and I'll need that one. Yeah, this is important to work. There's, you can't overstate the importance of Hero of a Thousand Faces by uh, James. Uh, Joseph Campbell. Joseph Campbell <laughs> by James Clavel. <laughs> Joseph Campbell, sorry. Keep talking. I'm having a trouble finding it for some reason. It's the steak man who thought the election was going to be called by 10 p.m. on Tuesday. That was his big claim. Really? He was a little off. It might be time for him to, uh, you know. The hero's journey with the call to adventure. Mm-hmm. Uh, then we get the helper comes right. in. So I think the helper is probably the armor, right? The, armor, the helper. Yeah. Then there's the threshold of adventure where you get the threshold crossing, brother battling. By the way, th- oh, this is really interesting. Okay. Yeah. I have to look at this. So I think it's all. Yeah. Okay. So I, it's been a while since we went over this. So I, I'll just show you kind of like it has the. Um... Yeah, so the wheel. that's what I'm looking at. But then it has this like all the different ways you can have the threshold crossing. But let me read these out to you because I think we've actually seen these in episodes. Um, brother battle. So I don't know if that means battling your brother, but he did fight. I feel like that might be the fight with Boba Fett that might be coming up. Yeah. Fighting your brother. Dragon battle. Gee, I wonder, Gee. have we seen him fight Is a dragon? Or uh, yeah. OK, then we have dismemberment. I don't know where that is, but if it's Star Wars, we'll probably get a dismemberment, by yeah. the way, at some point. If he's could, our gunslinger, he could yeah. be maimed, you know, like, like the gunslinger. Could. Yeah, absolutely. He gets some uh, lob, lob ostracies yeah. cut off some of his fingers. Yeah, lob, I mean, lob, actually, that, that could be happening. He could lose a limb in yeah. this story because that, that is a very prevalent theme. I kind of hope they don't, but um, yeah, because it's never a fun thing. I'd rather him just be OP all the time and be awesome. But it might be a single episode dismemberment. It might be dismembered in a different way where he's just crippled for an episode for some reason. Right. And have we gotten that? Oh, maybe that was his fight with the Mudhorn. Yeah. Uh... Remember, he was he was uh, he wasn't able to fight. And then the child helped him. But anyway, we'll we'll come back to right. crucifixion, um, uh, abdication, night sea journey, wonder journey and whale's belly. We'll have to revisit this. But I mean, he kind of did the whale's belly, belly right? Yeah. yeah. So it's really interesting. And then the next one is tests. So I think we might be in a season of tests. And this, I mean, and yeah, doesn't this feel process. like a test for him? It's yeah. like, well, are you really a Mandalorian? Like, you better save this this woman and her children. Yeah. But if we look through Stop your baby from eating all of her eggs, 
we look at this, we're kind of only we're less than a quarter of a way through the hero's journey, which might lead to suggest five or more seasons, right? Like we might get this because there's so much stuff here. We get helpers again. The helpers again might be bring back grief Karga and and um oh yeah Cara Dune, right? Dune, right. Think yeah. of things like uh father atonement ap- apotheosis you're welcome you don't have your you don't have your little bell apotheosis <laughs> sacred marriage flight return resurrection rescue oh elixir. that's 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 season three four five i feel yeah like. I, I mean i feel like we can stretch this hero's journey into like four or five seasons and then it's like then it's a new Mandalorian and we get it over again. Something. Like yeah. That. They would just keep going around and around similar again to bring back to the uh, Dark Tower. Um, yeah. I, I, you know, at the end of the day, it's really interesting because I feel like and and John Favreau said this in those making ups. Basically, you just take the elements of what is a Star Wars movie. You boil them down and you redo them. Right. Like you don't try to copy what worked in Star Wars. You just copy the themes that worked in Star Wars and the major theme of Star Wars. And George has told us a dozen times or more is the hero's journey. So it makes yeah. sense that John Favreau and Dave Filoni had this book in front of them. And they're just, tr- they're just piloting out five seasons with the hero's yeah. journey. Yeah. It'd be interesting. If, yeah. Because it need does to revisit. Like he's in super slow motion. Like it's like, no, we're not going to do the full hero's journey in a season. Like that'd be silly. Like we can make this, you know, through the lens of the wolf and cub, which is, you know, yeah. Japanese series. Like you can, um, we can draw this out and make okay. the hero's journey last seasons and seasons. So I'm just going to, so I just went to the, I went to the, uh, the contents section. Chapter one is departure. Right. If you remember this. Yeah. The call to adventure. That's sure. episode one. Refusal of the call. Episode two, because remember he comes back and saves the child in episode two season. Yeah. Uh, Episode three, supernatural aid. That's when the child uses the force yes. against the mudhorn. He has a mudhorn, yeah. The crossing of the first threshold, that's probably the middle of that season. The belly of the whale, season eight, episode eight of the season one, they're literally in a belly. They're they're going down the um they're in the the um molten lava. Molten which lava. Is, yeah. Yeah. I'm trying to think what other belly of the whale. I mean Technically, being in that prison is the belly of the whale. Yeah, which could be like the last few episodes, but wait for it, because here's where it gets really interesting. So season one is chapter one. Season two is chapter two, which is the initiation. Cha- part one of chapter two is tri- the road of trials. So far, we've had a couple trials. He's killed a yeah. dragon. He's killed some spiders. Part two, the meeting with the goddess. Oh, Nice. Oh, so we're going to see Ahsoka next? Ahsoka, right? Like, that's right. got to be Ahsoka. All right, so if we're following this theory, this is also, this is literary context and, like, information, man. This yeah. is, like, <laughs> real stuff, man. This is knowledge. <laughs> this is knowledge from texts, and this yeah. is a, not just a, you know, something we've thrown off the walls here. This makes a lot of sense to track it this way. If, if you're, you know, for those of you betting at home, uh, if you next next episode would be when we meet us over. Or at least we might get some more trials, right? Because the road trials might be uh, might be several episodes long. Yeah. So here's the bummer. If I'm right, if we did chapter one and in, in season one and chapter two is season two, there are only three chapters of this book. Right. 
But we might be, it might be, and this but might I be. I mean, a, it's going to like flip over. They're going to be new Mandalorian. I love, I love that you keep telling this circling of a story, which is what he talked about, right? Yeah. Campbell talked about it, circling around. The other issue is they might slow it down. The road to trials could be an entire season. So maybe him this fighting is Boba Fett is road trials. And maybe I'm wrong. Maybe the end of the season is him meeting Ahsoka, which is the goddess, which is the goddess, right? Because then you get yeah. the meeting with the goddess. Woman is temptress, atonement with the father. Which is going to be fascinating. Which is going to be Mandalorian lore. Atonement with the father, father. because like his father's his real father's dead. Right. Is like I mean the the Mandalorians are essentially his parents. Yeah, and we don't know who rescued him, right? Uh, or we, who... we know the I mean it could be something with the armorer because the armor yep. is essentially a his parental figure. Person. Yeah. Yeah. He could go astray and then come back to the. Yep. Yeah. And then we get apotheosis. So we make it that him being becoming the true Mandalorian at that moment. Yeah. And then the ultimate boon. And that's only initiation in chapter two. So there's right. a lot of storytelling here. Yeah. Oh, Joseph Campbell, my guy. I love the hero's journey so much. It's, you know, I yeah. mean, seen it told a million times, but each like there's a reason why it's the, you know, it's the trope. It is. It's fantastic. It's it just makes for good storytelling. It's I mean, literally, he does such a good job in that book. I disagree with a lot of his psychoanalysis and dream theory in the first chapter. Of that oh, book. yeah, it's ridiculous. It's dumb. But the rest of it is really looking at he does a good job of looking at how so many cultures around the globe tell very similar stories. And it's probably not because of a shared religious yada, yada, God, yada, yada. Yeah, no, it's just good. It's just because we respond to that as humans. Right. This this yeah. this. The hero's journey is a story that resonates in all of us, regardless of background. So we were talking about like all these teases and like how they're sort of they send these signals in a certain direction and then it ends up going a different one with like Boba Fett. We, you know, thought that there was another I mean, well, we talked about it. I guess it was last week. We already talked about it, but it was just sort of like there's always this chance that like he's not going to be the Mandalorian Right. It saves the child. It could right. be a different Mandalorian. Yeah. Like, who is the Mandalorian? Yeah. And that's I mean, that might end up being the real, you know, that's the boon, right? That's that's the apotheosis. Yeah. Who becomes I mean, the Mandalorian? That's really interesting because you mentioned this kind of going on. Like, it, it end, his journey ends at the end and then someone takes it on. But imagine if his journey is interrupted halfway through. And that is someone's another Mandalorian's hero call. So that's how you get to five seasons, right? He only gets through the first two steps and then someone else takes it up starting yeah. back at the beginning, right? Right. Of the, of the hero's journey. Really interesting. Yeah. I mean, they really teased that last week where it was like, you need to take care of him. Yeah. Oh my God. Is, is Cobb Vanth the Mandalorian? Yeah. Like, does he take up the call and like wear his like armor and now he yeah. has to care for the child? Like they teased that. And that's awesome. Like that's, that's just like opening up so many more possibilities. Obviously, I don't want to not have Pedro Pascal in this. No, series. he's great. Yeah, he's like fantastic, and this is very much his story. And they they cut a very um, distinct line between Cobb Vanth and a real Mandalorian in this. You know, uh, right? And um, he's the guy, but it's it still leaves it leaves the door open that maybe there'll be another Mandalorian that picks up the chain that could be more powerful. That could, I mean, it could be less powerful. Yeah. I mean, since Grant's not here, we can start another conversation. Not that he would he would stop this conversation, but he wouldn't be able to participate. I am starting to see a lot of connection between this and the gunslinger. 
Right. And the whole story gunslinger podcast for a long time for our listeners. Yeah. If you, yeah, that's going to be like, we've already talked about what our standalone, like we're going to, we're going to keep doing this and then we'll split off. Grant and I will do a a podcast about the movie, uh, uh, the tree of life, (laughs) tree of life. (laughs) Ben and I will do a podcast about the gunslinger and you and Grant will do a podcast about, uh, uh, Lord of the Rings. Like that's the, that's the right. trifecta. That's right. what we're going to do. That's the trifecta. Yeah. But we could do our pilot episode of the gunslinger. Not really guys. Don't worry. We're not going to do another hour, but my thought is maybe just one more hour, maybe one more is that he's forming his quartet in, in gunslinger terms, right? He's bringing on right. these people. And I feel like the, the child is Jake. In a lot of ways, right? Is that, yeah. is, is that, and I feel like Cobb Vanth might be Eddie, right? Like he's like this, this weird kind of Eddie. Eddie. And I don't know who is Susanna, but, or, um, yeah. right. But we have, maybe we haven't met her yet. It's definitely not good. Maybe it was supposed to be Cardoon. That, or that's, that's not, not happening. It's not going to be, Ahsoka isn't a, a data either. No. It's, yeah, it's, you know, it's got to be yeah. a mentally unstable, super powerful yeah. being. But that's why I feel like that's part of it. And part of it is 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 in the gunslinger. He makes these individuals. He bequeaths them as gunslingers right? he's training them. And he also yeah. gives them that title. And I feel like we're going to get to the point where he starts giving people or or deciding or or bequeathing people as Mandalorians. Mm. That would be fun. That would be yeah. there. He starts like knighting people. Yeah, basically. You're a Mandalorian now. I mean. It depends how much like Beskar he can hoard. What if he's just hoarding Beskar and he's got it? And check, <laughs> I mean, if he's still got a connection to the armor and she's got all this spare Beskar, he could start armoring like. Well, does it? People. In, Did, what in, happened? Go ahead. No, sorry. In the first season, I forget when they um, have that battle to help him get off the planet. Yeah. With the child. Do a lot of them die? Yeah, there's a pile of Beskar at the at the end of episode yeah. eight. So that's exactly what I was gonna say, Jenny. Good call. So there's a there's Beskar Bonanza has it. So if yeah. he suddenly brings this quartet or whatever they're gonna call him, call them, they got enough to outfit an entire Mandalorian crew. Yeah. It's a very interesting aspect. We haven't we haven't breached that at all. That'd be very interesting if he starts bringing them in. Is there any and that would also lend itself to spinoffs completely? But I mean, you would think Tim Oliphant um, at Cobb Vant would be a, 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 a top member of that. I love him as Eddie. You're so right. He's like very Eddie. Yeah. And it's like, oh, like, you know, yeah, you're Minus heroin, edges, but you've got your heart in the right place. Yeah. And you yeah. could be a Mandalorian. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. So well, they and... did say, I hope you see you again hope to see yeah that. yeah i mean they definitely that door is wide yeah. open barn door open um for that to happen i mean i would love oliphant to be a part a permanent part of the series i mean he would be a great you know if pedro decided like all right i got to do some other stuff like like uh oliphant would be a great gunslinger do you I mean, bring timothy oliphant in for a one episode thing like that's you bring in the big guns just to do a one episode i don't know well i think you do in, in this case because there's so many at, at this time in the world, like yeah. where you and I, like the the people that grew up with Star Wars are at their like professional peak right now. Yeah. It's not going to last forever. I don't no. think I hope it does. You know, yeah. I hope. But like there's generation after generation of hardcore Star Wars fans that really appreciate the series for what it is. But um, right now there's like 
directors and actors at the peak of their ability that are dying to do anything anything i mean you look at like the cameos in um you know the sequel trilogy and the the guy that we saw um uh jojen reed i can't remember i don't know the actor's real name but like he was like yeah i'll just sit there and be a guy at a, at a comm station for the first order and he's a he's an unbelievable actor yeah so i don't know his name because i didn't look it up but um we just saw him in um queen's gambit and he was fantastic queen's gambit by the way is a really really fun i've heard really show. good things it's on our list we're definitely gonna yeah. so fun it's such right. a I, I was obsessed with that series for the three days want to play chess again. <laughs> but um yeah so he's a he's a character in there and like you know like all these people want to do it but it's just this isn't gonna last forever you know right and i mean it's not due to any quality or anything it's just like the people that that grew up at this like sea change um that happened in 77 like they just aren't going to be around later on um in their prime doing things so you know hopefully there'll be other people that do it but true to back it up my point is that timothy alphant is loved by everyone that sees him like he's a man that like apparently he's like the nicest man in Hollywood. <laughs> like, like no one hates him. Aww. He's super friendly. He's just really funny. He's one of those people that get annoyed at that. You can't be that handsome and that funny. Like it right. really, I, that's not fair. Stop that proves that there's no God. Yeah. But, um, but like, here's my point. Deadwood is done officially. He, he, they capped yeah. that on that. Uh, he was in that, he was in that movie, the Santa, he was in that show, the Santa Clarita diet oh, on Netflix. It, that just got canceled in the, um, the, What's the other show that he did several seasons on? It was um, the Haunted. Wait, no, the Justified. Justified. Justified's done. Amazing show, by the way. Everyone should watch Justified. Really? It's really good. Okay. Yeah. I. Oh, yes. If you loved. Okay. So you can. There's that. Whatever. We had our old Deadwood. You should watch Deadwood. You should watch Justified. It's really, really good. It's, okay. He's great. And uh, the uh, the guy who plays Boyd Crowder is amazing. Anyway, watch Justified. It's really good. Um, that's done. He cannot, for whatever reason, cut into film he's tried a few times and his movies just don't hit what was the the movie in like the 90s he had where he was that killer and he like shaved his head and like his eyebrows and everything for the world no what was that it i was called like the assassin or it was called like it was like a like a kind of cheesy name but it was a good movie it was like all right watch i don't, I don't know if i ever saw that i'll say i know he was in the movie go and he was in the movie that he was in the remake of the george romero crazies and he's good in both of those but um um so my point is is that he can't i feel bad because i love timothy oliphant and uh, and i feel like at some point I will meet him and I will say this and then he'll find out I said this and then we won't be best friends and I've ruined my chances to be best friends with Timothy Oliphant. <laughs> but for whatever reason, he cannot make it in film. Like he's just not a leading man, which is ridiculous because that man should no, be. No, a- he is a leading man. But for whatever reason, it just doesn't seem to work. Who knows? Get a different agent, Tim. I don't know what's going on. Oh, he was in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Oh, yeah, he was. He was. He's in, oh, so he's in Fargo right now. This yeah, so he's Fargo. in Fargo. But another short season thing, like he's looking for things to do. And clearly he loves this. So I have a feeling that Cobb Vanth might become a pretty big part of this story if they want him to be. Like, I think Timothy Oliphant's on board for this. He's in I Am Number 4. I'm looking yeah, for, that's right. He's been in a billion movies. Yeah, a billion movies. All that, right, so the, the movie I was talking about, 2007, Hitman. That's what I was talking about. Oh, again. So he was yeah. the he was in the the movie may, remake of a video game. Yeah, that's right. I never saw that. 
He was Sorry. Agent 47. That's and, correct. In Hitman movie. I never saw it, so I can't speak ill of it. No, it's quite good. It's quite good, but not a blockbuster, correct? Listen, this is giving you a little insight into, like, my, the caliber of movies that I watch. Like, I'm not like, oh, Citizen Kane again. That's a good idea. Like, that's not me. No. I've never seen it, actually. Yeah. I've, I've watched it. It's a great movie. I'll never watch it again. Like, that's the way. Like, no. Like, I, I'm not judging. We all watch a lot of different movies. My point is, not a hit movie. Like, I, he has yeah. not been in many hit movies. He was in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, but not in a big role and not, he didn't make or break that movie. I know. I need to rewatch that movie. He's I know. I a, he's not like a, a lead. Leonardo DiCaprio. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So well. my point is he is ready and able and hopefully willing to do a lot more in the Mandalorian. All right. Well, we've, we've gone a little far afield. <laughs> An right. hour and a half seems you. like plenty of time to cover uh, this <laughs> 30 minute episode. Um, but you know what? Had a lot of fun talking about it. Hope you all had fun listening to it. Um, for both of you that are still listening. Yeah. And um, uh, yeah, really great. Uh, next week, we'll have another fun thing to talk about. And uh, hopefully Grant and Grex will be uh, back joining us. And maybe Jenny will be back joining us. We don't know. We don't know. Um, but it's a beautiful day. Um, and uh, we're glad you were all uh, willing to take part in this lovely Star Wars adventure that we had. And um, we'll talk to you next week. And may the Force be with you. Always. This is Grex Kondak signing off. For the latest breaking news, follow at Core World News on Twitter and Instagram. Thank you and good night. Remember, the Force will be with you always. Oh!